perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. 
You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full life and with all that I do for you, for you will enjoy the fullness of my salvation. When you abide under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. He's the hope that holds me in the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. He will rescue you from every hidden trap of the enemy. He will protect you from false accusation and any deadly curse. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands, Thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. Because you loved me, delighted in me, and have been loyal to my name, I will greatly protect you. I will answer your cry for help every time you pray, and you will feel my presence in your time of trouble. I will deliver you and bring you honor. I will satisfy you with a full... Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Victory Christian Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here this morning. You're in a good place. We know that God is here because two or three are gathered in his name and he is in the midst. That's a promise that we have. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we serve a living God, the one true God who's in our midst, Lord. You're ever with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, we just enjoy your presence today. And we give you the highest praise in the name of Jesus. And we just bless you. Welcome uh, this morning, Lord. And we just thank you for what you're going to do and what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's stand together. Are you ready to worship this morning?
worship you. Come on. We have to stand in the gap for our brothers and sisters all over the world that are in bondage from the enemy. They don't know as much as we may know. That's why we're family. We can do for them. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Come on. We worship you in this house. Oh, we stand in the gap, oh, Heavenly Father. And we pray for those who are being persecuted for the gospel. Oh, Jesus. We worship you in this place. Our God is their great protector. Acknowledge you in this house as our protector, oh God. I came into agreement with the truth that you love me as your own. And I am not alone. I come into agreement with the freedom and the love. They have taken over me. Protection. You never, never, never let me go. You said you wouldn't leave me and you are. You're right by my side. Protection. Protector! 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many know the battle belongs to the Lord? And He makes a way no matter how much the battle rages. I mean, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a furnace. You, you can't get any more heated than that. But where was God? He made a way to get them out of the furnace unharmed, untouched by the fire. So no matter what battle you're facing, keep your eyes on Jesus and you'll see the victory. Keep your eyes on Jesus and he'll make a way. That's who he is. That's what he does. Our God specializes in things when your back is against the wall. And you don't know how it's going to work out, but you know someone who can work it out. See? You you don't have to know how it's going to work out. You just need to know the one who works it out. Amen? Hallelujah! Glory to God! Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. We give you the high praises in this place. Hallelujah. And Lord, we are so grateful that you are actively involved in a relationship with us. You moved heaven and earth so that you could have a relationship with us. And because of our relationship with you, we know your voice, Lord, and we thank you that you speak to us. For I am the Lord, your banner, Jehovah Nisi. And I will give you the victory. I will deliver you. I will see you through. I will defend you and protect you. For I love you. You are my chosen ones. You are my beautiful bride. I have given my life for you. And you are mine. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a great job? Hallelujah. If you know where they came from, and you know where they are now, you'd be thanking the Lord. Amen. You know, you, prayer works, amen? 20 years of victory, praise God. Yes. <laughs> well, we are so glad that you're here this morning, here at Victory Christian Fellowship. You're not here by coincidence, amen. you're here by design. Yes. Amen? And uh, one of the things that we like to do here at VCF is we like to speak the word, because Jesus gave us that authority to do it. Amen? So we're going to make our confession of faith. And uh, we invite you all to join in as we say this together.
We ask our God, the glorious Father of Jesus, for spiritual wisdom and insight, that we may grow in our knowledge of God. We know the Father through Jesus, and we are deepening our intimacy with him. We believe God's light is opening our imagination and understanding so we can know what he has called us to do. We believe that we can benefit from his rich and glorious inheritance in us, and we are learning how to function in his immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing power that works in us because we believe. We believe that we can function in the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that makes Jesus far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and he has made him head over all for the benefit of the church. We are his body. We are made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. We are victorious overcomers and reign as kings in this life through his grace. And victory. <laughs> our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing His benefits. Amen. We're going to take just a moment to pray. Yes. For the things that are happening in our world. Amen. You know, the Bible says that you'll you'll hear uh, of wars and rumors of wars, and these are just the birth pangs. But you know what? We know a God. Amen. And our prayers make a difference. Yes. So, Father, we just pray over what's happening in Europe, Lord. We pray for both yes. Russia and yes. Ukraine, Lord, yes, that you would uh, deliver Thank people you, from unreasonable yes. and wicked men yes, because Father. not all men have the faith. Thank you, And Lord, Father. we just thank you, Father, that uh, we thank pray you, for Jesus. the kings and those in authority, Lord, yes, that the Lord. people would have a peaceable yes. and quiet life so that your gospel yes. can flourish and thrive. Yes, Father, take Father. this opportunity to see, let, let the goodness thank of God you, be seen. In the land of the living, Thank in you, the name Father. of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus yes, over these Lord. nations, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And we Jesus. just thank you, Lord, for our heavenly thank host, you, Father. Lord, which fight against the principalities yes, and powers. Lord, we thank and the you rulers for the of hopes. the darkness of this world and spiritual you, wickedness Jesus. in high places. Lord, we, those are the people, those are the beings that we wrestle against, Father. And you've given us the victory over them. Yes. And we just declare, Father, that your will be done. And people be delivered yes, from evil yes. in Jesus' Thank name. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here today. We have lots of announcements. We have a lot happening here at VCF. Right? It's very exciting. Okay, so (laughs) today, after service, we do have our ladies' book club. So if you are able to stay and join us for that, please do. On Tuesday, um, 
at 6 p.m. is Air Force. And Air Force is doing amazing things. We have new, well, ongoing fundraisers, but there are new things every week. So I encourage you to check out the back and see what new surprises we have. And thank you to everyone who has supported us so far. We are excited because we are going to Rama Camp meeting in the last week in July. And it is their 50th year, so it's going to be quite the celebration. And we plan on going in style with airplane because I don't want to drive there. So thank you again for everybody who is supporting us in prayers and financially. We are very excited. This Wednesday and every Wednesday is Wednesday night refreshing at 630. And it is aptly named it is very refreshing in the middle of the week on thursdays they have bible adventure where kids from our local schools come out of school and learn about the bible which that is awesome and this saturday which it came up fast i'm glad i do the announcements then i know what's happening (laughs) um this saturday is the youth breakfast and that is from 9 to 11 in the morning. So our pastors, Nelson and Nadine, make us breakfast, and we have time in the Word and fellowship, and it is awesome. We always learn something new. And then we have our Woven Conference. Yep, 2022. It is April 8th, which is a Friday night, and a Saturday morning into afternoon, which is April 9th. And our guest speaker is Dr. Michael Jacobs, and he's going to talk about angels. So come with questions, because it's going to be awesome. All right, my fact for today is, as you know, I'm a teacher at a high school, so I use the copy machine a lot. And I finally just figured out how it actually works. Right? So you know the light when you copy something? That is a special halogen lamp. Okay, it activates ions in the paper. It's all fancy technology stuff. And basically, those selenium atoms, those ions, get charged by that lamp. And they hold that electrical charge. So that shows the differences between white and dark for on the pieces of paper or whatever it is you are copying. And then that, those atoms keeping that electrical charge goes through the printer, and actually that's what attracts the toner to those specific areas. And then the heat seals it in, and that's why sometimes when you copy a lot of things, it's really hot. I always wondered why it was warm when, you know, you're copying a bunch of things. So that is why. So those three steps is how we can actually copy Jesus. So the first thing is we have to be exposed to the light the halogen lamp from the printers, basically. We have to be exposed to the light of Jesus. And then those charge up what's inside of us, but we have to keep the charge, okay? That's what shows the difference between us and the world, between the light areas and the dark areas. And then that light that's inside us and all those charged particles of our revelation attracts the toner, which is a whole bunch of things, right? Um, Holy Spirit, and then the anointing, the glory, the word, the revelation, because there's lots of things in toner to make those colors. And then we get sealed by the heat and by the fire, so that way that is Holy Spirit and the fire of God, so everybody can see what Jesus looks like. Amen?
we have a new category of announcements called announcements that preach. <laughs> Both our announcers do a fantastic job, and uh, glory to God. Well, if you're visiting with us here at VCF, we just want to welcome you, and of course, if you're watching online, we want to welcome you, and uh, you can always come here in person, but uh, if you can't, you can always watch online on uh, Facebook. Facebook and YouTube. I almost said FaceTube, but <laughs> and our website. Hallelujah! We got lots of ways. And um, glory to God. I, I want you to mark your calendars on uh, March 16th. That's a Wednesday. It's our Wednesday night refreshing service. We're going to have um, Sushil Kumar, who is uh, one of the directors of one of the Rama India. He's going to be with us. He's in the area during that time. So Wednesday, March 16th, he's going to be our special guest for Wednesday Night Refreshing. And uh, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. So, um, yeah, he was at Winter Bible Seminar, and so uh, he said that he was going to be here. That was the only time that we could have him here. I want you to turn with me for just a moment to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 24. Second Chronicles chapter 24, and uh, after this we'll dismiss our children. We have a kid's life, it's called Kids Living in Faith Every Day, and we like to cheer for our kids when they go to class because we want them to know that church is exciting and fun. Amen? And uh, everything is power-packed. So um, we're going to look here at 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 8. And he said, At the king's commandment, they made a chest and set it out outside the gate of the house of the Lord. Just kind of like we have right here. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, uh, had laid up in Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced. They didn't get depressed at the announcement of an offering. Amen? They got, they rejoiced. Why? Because it's, it's a fun to give. Amen? And, uh, and, and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made, uh, an end. Now it came to pass, verse 11, uh, at at what time the chest was brought unto the king's office by the hand of the Levites, the Amplified says they filled it up. <laughs> there was much money. The king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest and took it and carried to its place again. <laughs> Thus they did what? Day by day. Everybody say day by day. Continual sowing means continual reaping. And gathered money, how? They barely got along? No. In abundance. Right? Verse 12, And the king uh, Jehoiada gave it to such as did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also such as wrought iron and brass to mend the house of the Lord. So they were making repairs. Okay? They were in a building program. All right? So the workmen worked, they, they did the work, and the work was finished, and they set the house of God 
in its state and strengthen it. Now notice verse 14. When they had finished, they finished the work. Right? They paid for the material. They paid for the labor. They brought the rest of the money. Someone say praise the Lord. They brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada, whereof uh, they, they made vessels for the house of the Lord. They took the excess money and made utensils. This is my golden spoon. <laughs> this is my silver bowl. Right? They made utensils out of the excess money. They had enough to make the repairs. They had enough to pay the laborers. And they finished the work and they had a bunch left over. This is how God works. Okay? And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. Wow. Amen? Well, this is what happens when you invest in the kingdom of God. Here at VCF, you can make an offering if you'd like, uh, your tithes or your offering. You can do it any time during the service. And we have two wooden containers on either side there, over there and over there. You can put your check in. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you'd like to do it by a card, you can do it through our bookstore. If you want to do it online, you can do it through our website. However you'd like to do it. Amen. And uh, you're, you inv- this is an investment because God promises a return. Amen. And Lord, I just bless every gift and giver. And we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your abundance. And we just bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And I just want to take a moment now and pray for some of those uh, that are dealing with some physical challenges. How many know that we, our God is a healer, right? We got some family members here that aren't doing good. We had a call last night uh, of a person that requested prayer. So, Father, we just pray for uh, those people who are dealing with physical challenges, Lord, who are being oppressed by the enemy. And we thank you, Lord, that you stretch forth your healing hand. Touch them, Father. Raise them up in the name of Jesus. Lord, and we just give you thanks and praise. Those people that we know, people that are part of our family, Lord, people that are part of this uh, this family here, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we give you thanks and praise that you are healing God. You sent your word and you healed them, Lord. You anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil, Father, because you were with him. And we just declare healing and wholeness, restoration of strength, life, and vitality. And we thank you, Lord, that the curse of sickness is reversed and healing is dispensed to these people. And we just do that in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, kids who are going to kids' life, it is your time. It is your hour. Thank you for our teachers. Kids, have a good class. Be blessed. Enjoy the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, are you guys ready for the word this morning? We are a word church and a spirit church. We love the word and we welcome the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it's that wonderful combination. I want you to turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 16. And I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus is building, restoring, repairing, maintaining, and all around fixing his church. 
And uh, he also does this with our individual lives. You know, the devil breaks us, but God repairs us. And he restores us. The devil robs from us. And, the, and I mean, yeah, the devil robs from us and God replenishes. Amen. And in Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 18, Jesus was talking to his disciples. His disciple Peter had just had this wonderful, incredible revelation of who he was. And Jesus testified that God gave Peter this revelation. Man didn't give it to him, but it came from God. And uh, he was telling Peter how he, what he was going to do. And he said in verse 18, he said, And I say also unto you that you are Peter and upon this rock. Now, Peter is not the rock that he's building his church on. Peter is a pebble. The rock is the revelation of who Jesus is. Okay? So upon this rock, I will build my church. Whose church? Jesus said, my church. Okay? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Jesus did not say the gates of hell won't fight against it. He didn't say they won't attack it. He said they won't prevail against it. Amen? Yeah, the enemy can throw the kitchen sink at you, but he's not going to win. He's not going to prevail. He's not going to overcome you. You're going to overcome him. Amen? So this morning, I've been assigned by the Lord to talk about repairing the breaches. We're going to repair the breaches. You know, since God is a builder, and anytime, even when you build a brand new building, you've got to make some adjustments. Right? I remember when I worked for a painter, and we, we, had, uh, we had the privilege of painting new construction. Oh, it was wonderful. And we would go in there and paint, but then they'd have an inspection and they'd have a walkthrough, right? And, you know, there'd be little things, just little adjustments that need to be made. And um, there is a parallel in the Bible of someone who was called to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and Jesus building his church. And that person, of course, is Nehemiah. Amen? And... Uh, he had a heart for Jerusalem just like Jesus does. You know, God has, Jesus has a heart for Jerusalem and for Zion, right? Jerusalem is the physical city, Zion is the spiritual city. Amen? And, uh, Nehemiah was, uh, distraught at the condition of his city, okay? And, um, we'll get into that in just a moment, but you know, repairs on the temple are nothing new. It occurred throughout all the Bible, and uh, let me just give you a few examples. Um, in uh, in Second Kings chapter twelve, verse four, uh, under under uh, Jehoash, uh, they repaired the breach in the house of the Lord wherever a breach was found. Right, a breach is an opening, or it's a crack, or uh, it's uh, something you know that uh, it just needs repaired. Uh, 2 Kings 22.5, under King Josiah, uh, they, uh, they employed uh, workmen to repair the damages of the house, right? Talking about the temple of God. And, uh, of course, we read 2 Chronicles 24, talking about the same thing. 
Second Chronicles 29.3, the first thing Hezekiah did. He opened the doors of the house of the Lord, which his father had closed, and repaired them. Aren't you glad that God makes repairs? All right? So I want you to go to Nehemiah chapter 1, and we're going to see something here. Hallelujah. And then we're going to see how that parallels with Jesus. So we're bridging the gap today between the old and the new. Between generations. Amen? And uh, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, it, it begins, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Wow, that's quite a mouthful. And it came to pass in the month of Chislu, that's about the ninth month of the Jewish calendar, it's about our December, because the Jewish calendar and our calendar, they don't coincide so much. Uh, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, in the, the palace, that, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. So he was asking, you know, sometimes if you want to get the right answer, you've got to ask the right question. Amen? I'm I'm so glad for my beautiful wife, Pastor Fiona. She has the right, she always asks the right questions. Me, I don't always ask the right questions, but she does. (laughs) Hallelujah. So he was asking, how is Jerusalem? How is the church? How is the church of today doing? And uh, verse 3, he said, and they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction, or translations say great distress, and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates are burned with fire. So there are four things that will cause breaches in the wall or breaches in the defense system, or breaches in the protection, right? Number one is distress. Number two is reproach. Number three is broken down. And number four, burned with fire. So this was the condition of Jerusalem at the time. And... This sparked a desire in Nehemiah to want to do something about it. Amen? You know, when you encounter something bad, you need to rise up and do something about it. Amen? And so uh, these four things were uh, caused the breach in the wall. All right? Now, I want you to go to... Uh, Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. You're gonna, your fingers will get exercised today. If you have actual pages or if you flip a screen. However you want to do it. Amen. You know, I have my iPad set up where, where I can flip the screen. I don't like to scroll because flipping the screen makes, it reminds me of turning the pages. So I, I, I can flip my pages. That's how I like it. 
Amen? So Isaiah 58, 8, he's going to give us some information here, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified, okay? Isaiah 58, 8, at first he talks about fasting and the correct fasting to the Lord, but he gets to verse 8, and he said, then your light will break out like the dawn. How many know when you follow God, right, you'll take that super anointed halogen light, right, and you'll shine, your light can break forth like the dawn. Your healing or your restoration will quickly spring forth. If you need healing, it can quickly spring forth. Amen? Your righteousness will go before you, leading you to peace and prosperity. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. That's a promise that we have. Whenever you call upon the Lord, he will answer. Well, I don't hear anything. Keep calling. (laughs) He answers the call. Amen? Amen? You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. Whenever you need help, he is ready, willing, and able to help you. If you take away from your midst the yoke of oppression, the finger pointed in scorn toward the oppressed or the godly, every form of wicked, sinful, unjust speech, okay, If you offer yourself to assist the hungry and satisfy the need of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness. Say, my light is rising. And your gloom will become like midday. That means bright. Darkness turns bright. Okay? Now, now he talks about the Lord here in verse 11. And the Lord will continually guide you. Thank God for his continual guidance. He'll satisfy your soul in scorched and dry places. If you've been going through a dry time or a dry spell, he will satisfy your soul in that time. Amen? And he'll give strength to your bones. Can anybody use some strength in your bones? Okay? And you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your people will rebuild the ancient ruins. Today before me is sitting a group of rebuilders, and we're rebuilding the ancient ruins. We're simply doing what God said to do. We're simply putting God's, we are, we are here to occupy, and we are here to do the will of the Lord. And in doing the will of the Lord, we rebuild the ancient ruins. Amen? We keep the work that was started long before we ever got here. Okay, you will raise up and restore the age old foundations of buildings that have been laid waste. How about dreams that have been laid waste? How about destinies that have been laid waste? How about families that have been laid waste? Amen. Do you know some people that could use some building or repairs in their life? Amen. Well, you can help them. Then notice what he says, and this is says about the Lord. You will be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of streets with dwellings. Our God is a repairer of the breach. There was only one person that could bridge the gap between the separation of man and God, and that was Jesus Christ. He is the only door to heaven. He is the only way to be saved. You can't, you can't get saved any other way. Right? 
If you try to get, get into heaven any other way, you're a thief and a robber. Jesus said that himself in John 10. Okay? So what is a breach? All right, let's go to Isaiah 30. Isaiah chapter 30. And let's see what a breach is. You know, if we're going to repair a breach, we've got to know what a breach is, right? <laughs> a breach is where an enemy can come in. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 12. And I'll read this from the Amplified again. Therefore, the Holy One of Israel says this. Because you have refused and rejected this word. Well, someone who rejects the word, they got a big gaping hole. They got a, that's a big breach right there. Okay? And have put trust in oppression, guile, and have relied on them. Right? Oppression and guile. Guile is trickery. Who do we know is the trickster? The deceiver. Right? That's the devil, right? He's the accuser of the brethren. But we have authority over him. Amen? Okay? Therefore, this wickedness will be to you like a crack in the wall about to fall. When you have a breach, things begin to crumble. Things begin to fall apart. Okay? A bulge in a high wall whose collapse comes suddenly in an instant. So it's very important to repair the breach, right? You can't just live your life with a breach in your life. A big gaping hole because it'll cause everything else to crumble. All right? Verse 14, whose collapse is like a smashing of a potter's jar, crushed so savagely that there cannot be found among them its pieces, a potsherd large enough to take holes. That means it gets shattered into pieces and you can't put it back together. All right? That's why we're going to repair the breach today. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 15. For the, for the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, has said this, In returning to me and rest, you shall be saved. In quiet and confident trust is your strength. Amen. All we got to do is turn to the Lord. If you've got a, a breach in your life, a simple turn to the Lord can fix it up. Amen. He can seal that crack. He can fill that hole. I'm telling you, before we were born again, every one of us are born with a void to worship God. Right. But we're as people are born into this earth, they're born in sin. Right? And they're in sin until they meet Jesus and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Right? But once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're no longer a sinner. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Right? But there is a void. There is a hole until Jesus fills that hole. And people try to fill that hole with all kinds of things. Right? I mean... uh, you know, poor Mick Jagger couldn't find any satisfaction. You know, the one artist was looking for love in all the wrong places. Right? And if you try to fill that void in your life with anything else other than Christ, it's dissatisfying. Because the only thing that's meant to fill the void in a human's life is Jesus, a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Nothing else will fill. So who are the people that are the repairers of the breach with Jesus? Okay? I'm glad you asked. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, verse 4. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn here. Glory to God. And they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations, and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. So who are those that they are rebuilders? All right? Here's here's the uh characteristics of the builders. That's you and I. We are the saved. The saved are the rebuilders. Amen. God gave you a tool called the word of God and the Holy Spirit. And there together with Jesus directing us, we are to build. Amen. We are to repair. We are to help people in their time of need. So the saved are those who are the filled, spirit filled. Amen. In order to to be a a rebuilder, you got to be saved. You got to be spirit filled. Right. The anointed. How many are anointed? Amen. We're anointed in Jesus Christ. Say, I'm anointed. All right. The commissioned. The commissioned. Do you realize all of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation? What is reconciliation? It's rebuilding of a life. It's rebuilding of a right relationship. Right. It's balancing the books. Right. You know anybody that needs reconciled? Let me help you reconcile. Each one of us have been equipped to reconcile someone else to God. First, Second Corinthians 5 tells us that. We have the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? Truth practitioners. These are they that rebuild the waste places. All right? Truth practitioners. Someone who does the word. Are you a truth practitioner today? Are you a truth practitioner tomorrow, or do you only work on Sundays? Oh, yeah. I just throw that in there, right? No, we, we need to be a truth practitioner every day. Amen? Why? Every day, we're going to have opportunities to rebuild, to repair, to fill the breach. Even if it's in our own life. You know, a breach can show up as a character flaw. Or something that the enemy has influenced you in. The the rebuilders are the healed, the delivered. You know, God heals you. Guess what? You can help someone else get healed. If you've been healed, you can help someone else get healed. Amen? We go through we go through things and the Holy Spirit helps us and then with the help that He's given us we can help others. Right? How about the joyful? Oh yeah. If you know someone without joy, they need someone who's joyful. So you can share some of your joy with them. Amen? How about the comforted? If you've been comforted, you can comfort. Right? We we've been given another comforter, all of us. We can comfort with his comfort. Amen? Amen. These are people 
These, these are they who rebuild the ancient ruins, who raise up and restore former desolations, who renew the ruined seas. These are they. Say, I'm part of they. they. Alright? How about the praisers and the planted? <laughs> you know, if you're gonna help someone go to church, it's always good to be planted in the church. Yeah. Right? Okay? Now, I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to get back to Nehemiah in just a moment. But let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to see that before Christ, we were in distress. We were broken down. We, there, there was a breach. And we were burned with fire. Because without Jesus, you're heading for fire. Amen? All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah. So, I'm just going to give you the overview of this with each verse, because you could read it at another time. Verse, verse 1 says, at, at, at one time we were the uncircumcision. That means we were disconnected from God's covenant. There was a time when we were disconnected from God's covenant. That's distress. Anytime that you're separated from God, there's distress. Right? Okay? And uh, verse, uh, I'm sorry, verse 11. I said verse 1. It's verse 11. I'm, I apologize for that. Verse 12, we were separated from Christ. We were excluded from any relationship. We were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers to God's promises, and we didn't know his agreements. We had no hope. We lived in a world without God. That's pretty sad, isn't it? To live in a world without God, that's just like the condition of Jer- that Jerusalem was in Nehemiah's day. Right? Jerusalem was the place of worship. Jerusalem was the place that God chose. Jerusalem was, was the high point of the Jewish nation. Right? And to see it broken down, dilapidated, burned with fire, breached in the wall, that's sad. Alright? Verse 13 in Ephesians 2, it says, Christ came and repaired the breach and bridged the gap. But, but now Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off, were made near by the blood of Jesus. He, he, he repaired the gap. Amen? He came and filled the gap. He came and did what no one else could do. He's the only repairer of the breach, glory to God. So he came to repair, restore, and rebuild. He brought us close by his blood. Glory to God. Verse 14. He is our peace and our bond of unity. He made the Jews and the Gentiles one group. Hallelujah. He called them Christians. We're no longer Jewish. We're no longer Gentiles. We're Christians. He made one new man out of two. Hallelujah. He broke down the barrier, the thing that divided us. So he stopped the division. Amen? Verse 15. He abolished the hostility caused by the law in his flesh. He made us new creatures in Christ and established peace. Glory to God. We now have peace with God. 
we now have access to uh, peace that passes understanding. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You could be in the midst of trouble and have peace that passes understanding right there. Keeping your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. All right? Verse 16. He reconciled Jews and Gentiles into one body through the cross. Okay? Verse 17. He came and preached good news to you. Hallelujah. Well, we, we, we can't bridge the gap unless we have faith. Right? So when he preached good news, we had faith to believe it. You can't believe something you haven't heard. I'm going to say that again. You can't believe something you haven't heard. Faith comes by hearing. If you don't know what God said, you can't believe what he said. Right? Okay. Verse 18. Through him we have a direct way of approach in one spirit to the Father. Oh, we've been given access to God. Glory to God. Why? There was a time when that access was cut off. There was a time when we couldn't do anything to, to go from here to here. But Jesus came and he did it for us. He repaired the breach. And, and notice, look at verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Hallelujah. You've been brought into the family. You've been brought into the kingdom. You've been brought in out of darkness and into the light. Glory to God. Notice and look at what he's doing. Verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Nehemiah used bricks, but Jesus used the prophets. Amen. And apostles. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He says, I'm getting in this building work too. I'm going to be the support structure. I'm going to be the foundation. Amen. You, you, I'm the foundation. You can build on it. However, but you got to build on the, You got to have the foundation right. Your foundation in life must be Christ. When something happens in life, your default must be turned to Christ. When you're facing sickness, you got to turn to Christ. When you're facing trouble, turn to Christ. Unfortunately, too many people turn away. And their structure crumbles. It's no different than the guy building the house on a rock or a sand. Both of those people heard the word. But the difference was what they did with the word that they heard. The one on the sand was called a fool. The one on the rock was called wise. They both encountered the same storms. One stood, one was fall, fell away, and great was the fall, wasn't it? So Jesus is in the building business. All right? Verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together. Did you know that in order for a building to work, the frame has to fit together? Glory to God. Jesus was nailed to the cross, and praise the Lord, we are nailed together by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And we grow into a holy temple of the Lord. What are we doing now? We are growing into the temple of the Lord, all of us. We are the temple of God. Amen. We are being built. Hallelujah. We, are, we have been framed. 
What framed the world? The word of God. What frames our life? Excuse me, the word of God. Amen. Verse 22, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the spirit. Oh, my goodness. He builds us together so that he can habitate. God likes to habitate. He likes to abide. He likes to dwell. He likes to hang out. What does he like to hang out? He likes to hang out in his church, in his people. Amen. Hallelujah. He's with us and in us. Glory to God. This is his goal. This is what he wants. Amen. So let's look at Nehemiah. All right? They were in distress. Okay? To be in distress means bad evil. (laughs) It means disagreeable, unpleasant, giving pain or misery, unhappiness, adversity, injury, or wrong. That's what the word means, to be in distress. Anybody ever been there? Hallelujah. If you've been there, you know what distress is like. It's not pleasant. It's not fun. But thank God we've got someone to alleviate the distress. You don't have to stay in a state of distress. You can get delivered from distress. Deuteronomy 4.30 says this. When you are in distress, tribulation, and all these things come on you, in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. When you see the trouble happening in our world, you've got to look to Jesus. He's the only one that's going to bring you to the truth. Right? You can't trust the world to give the truth about itself. You can only trust God. Right? And you can, and, and the Holy Spirit is the filter. If someone's telling you a load of baloney, the Holy Spirit will say, that's a load of baloney. Right? Why? His job is to bring us into all truth. And, and He has a voice, and all we gotta do is listen to His voice to know the truth. Right? So, you know what, when David's mighty men came to Him, You know what? They were in debt, they were distressed, and they were discontent. But you know what they became? Mighty men. Oh, how many many know you can come in debt and God will give you prosperity? You, You cannot be happy with your life and then find your divine purpose and you're the happiest person on the planet. Amen. They, you, you read it. First Samuel 22. They came to David in debt, distressed and discontent, yet they were 400 men, but they became mighty men because they had a godly leader. They had a leader who led them to God. Amen. You got to be part of something that leads you to God. Glory to God. VCF will lead you to God. Amen. Hallelujah. What we give here will help you navigate in life. Hallelujah. Psalm 18, verse 6. Psalm 18, verse 6. Notice what he did in distress. He said, in my distress, 
I called upon the Lord and cried to my God for help. He heard my voice from his temple and my cry for help came before him into his ears. Amen? And Nehemiah did this very same thing too. With <coughs> We're going to get that in just a moment. All right? So they had distress. All right? Then they had reproach. This was the report that Nehemiah got. They had reproach. A reproach is a taunt of the enemy. A reproach is a condition of shame. A reproach is disgrace. And it could come from a lot of reasons. Right? Women who couldn't bear children were uh, suffered reproach in, in the Old Testament. Because that was, a, you know, if, if they became a widow sometimes, that was a reproach. Right? Or if something bad happened in their life, that was a reproach. But how many know that we have someone who removes our reproach? Amen? In Genesis thirty twenty three, when Joseph was born, Rachel said this, Genesis thirty twenty three. she conceived and gave birth to a son, and she said, God has taken away my disgrace and humiliation. God has taken away my disgrace. Amen? Why? She couldn't have children. And she tried and tried, and then finally Joseph came. Amen? And boy, was he, he I tell you what, he, he, he did some things for God, didn't he? You know, when God removes the reproach, it's a whole lot better. Right? Before Joshua could take Jericho, in Joshua 5, they had to remove the reproach of Egypt. The, the, the slavery. They, they, were, they were covered in slavery. They had slavery thoughts and the slavery mentality. And God had to remove that approach of slavery. How about Lazarus when he had to get out of the tomb? They had to remove the, the dead cloths, Right? They had to loose him and let him go. Why? He was covered in it, but he had, he had, it was a reproach of the grave, and they removed it. Yes. Hallelujah. He, he didn't have to hop anymore. He could walk. Amen. So, do you know, uh, David thought that the taunting of Goliath was a disgrace. And he wasn't going to put up with it. Amen. He said, I may be a visitor, but I'm going to do something about it. And he did. Amen. And then things were broken down. And this is what the Lord led me for broken. When things are broken down, they're defenseless. They're open for takeover. You know, when a person has a mental breakdown, they're incapacitated. They're rendered ineffective and they're exposed and divided when things are broken down. Right? When communication is broken down, messages aren't received or sent clearly. And you know who who operates in in an area of lack of communication? The enemy. He operates in darkness. So when walls are broken down, it doesn't work properly. Right? Then they were burned with fire in the days of Nehemiah. This means to burn up, to be desolate, to set on fire, right? How's God going to prove our works? In 1 Corinthians 3, he's going to prove what we do for him by fire. And fire is going to separate between the wood, hay, and the stubble, our own works, and the gold, silver, and precious gems works that we did for God. And, and fire is going to be the determining factor. 
you know, when you when wood, hay, or stubble gets exposed to fire, it becomes ash, right? But when gold, silver, and precious stones become are exposed to fire, they get brighter, right? So what, which of your works are going to be brighter, or which of your works are going to end up ash? Are you going to have more brightness or more ash, right? That will only be determined at the end, okay? So just like in Nehemiah's day, he began a work for God rebuilding the temple, of, uh, rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And just like with every work of God, when a work of God begins, right? When, when a person gets born again, they've now be, entered into the combat zone, right? You, you, when a person gets born again, they've enlisted into the army of God. And there's an enemy who doesn't like anything that God does. Okay? And the same was true in Nehemiah's day. Right? And uh, so it, Nehemiah, he, uh, he was a cupbearer. Right? He would bear the king's cup before the king. You know, Jesus was a cupbearer too. Just a different cup. Father, if you take this what? Cup. Jesus bore a different kind of cup, but he was a cup bearer. Right? And uh, a cup bearer was a prominent position that you had exposure to the king because you were always, you know, he was like a butler. Right? And he would always, he had interaction with the king. And uh, while he was serving one day, he had this sad look on his face. You know, and when the butler doesn't look good, the king starts to worry a little bit. Right? Maybe he, he, he tasted something that wasn't right. So the king was asking him and he said, you know, if you, uh, if you release me to go do what, what, what I want to do is to go rebuild the, uh, the thing. And the king gave him permission. The king gave him provision. The king gave him protection. And the king prospered him. You know why? Because Nehemiah prayed specifically for that. If you look at the life of Nehemiah, everything that he prayed for, he got, and the king provided those things for him, okay? But just like any time you do anything for God, whether you take over a church that has existed, or whether you start a church, or whether you get born again, or whether you, you, you're striving to do a work for God that you know he's called you to do. There's always going to be opposition. Amen? Everybody know that we have an enemy, right? He's not greater than us, but he does, tries to, he does try to mess with us, right? And you've got to know who you are in Christ, and the authority that you have in the name of Jesus to overcome him. Amen? So let's look at some of the opposition that Nehemiah had. You know, building a wall is a good thing. Amen? And uh, so the first opposition occurred in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. Nehemiah 2, verse 10 when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard this, it caused them great displeasure. 
that someone had come to see about the welfare and prosperity of the Israelites. I can't believe that someone's going to be, rebuild that wall. That is just ridiculous. This is what he's doing. He heard that some people were going to come and they were going to do some work around Jerusalem. And, and he got all upset. It created displeasure in him. That's just like the enemy. You know, Nehemiah had his Sanballat. Jesus had his Pharisees. Right? They were trying to oppose Jesus, everything that he did. And they were against him, right? But Jesus just kept his eyes on victory. Nehemiah just kept his eyes on victory. Amen. He never stopped the work, no matter what the enemy tried to do. Okay? So... It's funny, uh, Sanballat was the head of the Samaritans. You know, Jews and Samaritans. Okay? And uh, Nehemiah responded in verse 17 and 18. He said to them, you see the bad situation that we're in? How Jerusalem is desolate, lies in ruins, its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we no longer be a disgrace. He's going to rally the troops, amen? He says, yeah, we're in a bad situation, but come on, we can do this thing. Sounds like Joshua and Caleb. Yes, we can go in and take this land. Those giants are bred for us. Amen? We need some people with some faith that can stand up and say, we can do this. Look at your neighbor and say, we can do this thing. Amen? And then he says, verse 18, I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me. He's just magnifying God. He's looking at the victory. Right? And also about the words that the king had spoken to me, and they said, let us rise and build. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm thankful for the supporters that say, let's rise and build. I'm, I'm thankful for the members that say, let's rise and build. Amen? Hallelujah. Why? We got a work to do. It's about preaching the gospel. It's about winning the lost. It's about seeing lives changed. Amen? We're living in a midst of people whose lives are broken down, whose lives are in distress, whose lives are, are burned with fire. Amen? And we have the cure. We have the antidote. We just got to share it with them. Well, I don't know what to say. Yes, you do. Jesus loves you. You can say that, can't you? And I love you too. But you got to mean it. (laughs) All right? Opposition number two. Opposition number two. Is uh, verses 19 and 20. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. But when Sanballat the Horonite... You know... When I see that name, it reminds me of hornets. I had a bad experience with hornets in 2008. And uh, it was an unpleasant time, but God delivered me. Amen. Amen. All right. So when Sanballat the Hornonite and Tobiah the Ammonite, they heard about it, they mocked us and regarded us with contempt and said, what is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Who gave him permission to do it? The king did. So Sanballat is lying. And he's mocking. Don't stand in the, don't sit in the seat of mockers. Okay? And here's how Nehemiah responded in verse 20. 
I answered them, the God of heaven has appointed us for his purpose and will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will rise and build. But you have no portion, right, or memorial in Jerusalem. Whoa. I thought we're supposed to be all nicey-nicey. No, we're not. Not to the enemy. Nehemiah said, yeah, we're going to rebuild, and you have no portion. Zip, zero, nada. You're not going to have any pleasure. You're not not going to participate. You're not going to get the benefits of it because of your stinking attitude. He didn't say that. That's my words. See, there's always going to be opposition in rebuilding. We've had to rebuild. We've had to rebuild this body. I think we only have one person that was here when we first got here. All right? One person, right? She's sitting right over there. Okay, opposition number three. Okay, opposition number three is Nehemiah chapter four, verses one to three. I love the responses of Nehemiah. Don't play with the enemy. If, if you're around people that mock God's work or mock another, listen, that, you gotta deal with it quickly. You, you, you can't give them any slack. You can't agree with them in any way. Okay? Opposition number three, Nehemiah chapter four. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding, notice, he keeps hearing things. And he's reacting to what he's heard. Okay? He became furious, completely enraged, and he ridiculed the Jews. Does that sound like the enemy? It certainly does. He spoke before his brothers and the army of Samaria. What are these feeble Jews doing? Be careful when someone starts to belittle something. David's brother did the same thing. When David showed up, David's brother, his oldest brother, Eliab, said, what do you do? Who's taking care of those little sheep? He's, he's minimizing David's work. When someone is minimizing your work, they're operating as a mocker. They're speaking on behalf of the enemy. Okay? They're trying to intimidate you. All right? Then he goes on to say, can they restore anything? Can they, can they restore it for themselves? Can they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from heaps? See, he's making this like it's an impossible project. Yeah. Right? When Nehemiah already had the means and the permission to do it. Okay? Verse 3, now Tobiah joins in. And he says, even what they are building, if a fox should get up on it, it would break down the wall. Like their building is going to collapse with a fox on it. Come on. But this is how the enemy operates. Okay? The enemy is a bully. He's an abuser. But we have authority over him. Notice how Nehemiah responded. Verse Verses 4 to 6, chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. This is how Nehemiah responded. He said, hear, O God, how we are despised. Okay? He's pleading his case. He's, he's telling God what's happening to him. Okay? Return their taunts on their own heads. I love this prayer. 
Give them up as prey in a land of captivity. All right? Do not forgive their wrongdoing and do not let their sin be wiped out. He's telling God not to forgive them. But I thought we're supposed to forgive others. Listen, when the enemy is opposing God's work, they don't need to be forgiven. Mmm. Get my little pen. Mmm, yeah. All right, let them be wiped out, for they have offended the builders. There's offense again. And provoked you. See, if God called Nehemiah to do this work, then they're actually provoking God. Just like Goliath did to, to the army of Israel. David said, you defy the army and you defy God. See, when the enemy starts criticizing a work of God, then he's, then he's talking to God directly. Okay? Verse 6. So we built the wall. The entire wall was joined together, half its height, for the people had a heart to work. I'm, I'm telling you, you, you keep running your mouth. I'm working. I prayed to God. He's going to put your taunts on your head. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep working. Amen? See, the enemy's trying to get you to stop working. He's trying to get you to stop believing. He's trying to get you to stop worshiping. He's trying to get you to stop giving. He's trying to get you to stop doing what the Word says to do. Don't stop it. Keep doing what you know to do. That's how you keep the switch of faith turned on. You keep doing what you know to do. Just tell the enemy, talk to the hand. All right, verses 7 and 8. This is uh, opposition 4. Okay? Opposition 4. When, when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the repair of the walls of Jerusalem went on, oh, we didn't stop the work. They're still going. That church is still going. They're still having services. I can't believe it. That just makes me so mad. Why? We're praising God. Mind your own business. He says that the breaches were being closed. Uh Uh-oh, I don't have access to the city anymore. The breaches are being closed. Everybody say God's closing the breaches today. He is closing the breaches today. Any breach in this body is being closed today. They were very angry. Oh, when you, when you prevent him access, they get even more angry. They all conspired together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause a disturbance. All right? How's Nehemiah going to answer this? He's got an answer for every opposition. You've got an answer for every opposition. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When Stephen in Acts 6, when they argued for God, he, he spoke with so much wisdom, they couldn't argue against him. Read it. They could not argue against him by the wisdom he spoke. God, God makes you wiser than your enemies. Amen? All right? Nehemiah's response, verse 9. But we prayed to our God. You see, every time he's opposed, he turns to God. Think about that. Every time he's opposed, he turns to God. He didn't get on the phone. He didn't turn to a friend. Right? He didn't start a prayer group. He turned to God. Amen? We prayed to our God. Because of them, we set a guard against them day and night. 
Listen, we prayed and we took up guard. And God, Jesus Christ is both a protector and a builder. He's a shield and a buckler, and he's also a builder. Together, he builds and protects. Amen? So we set up a guard. Having done all the stand, stand with the armor of God. Listen, yeah, you got to pray, but you also got to take up guard. What I'm doing, I'm scanning, right? We got to know our environment, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, fifth opposition. Now, you're, you're going to be shocked in the, the time frame of how many oppositions came against them, but just a minute. Uh, the, the fifth opposition is verse 10. Then the leaders of Judah said, the strength of the burden bearers is failing. There is much rubble. We ourselves are unable to rebuild the wall. Jesus said, of myself, I can do nothing. Right? How many know that we need one another? And the enemy will try to do everything he can to divide us between each other. Don't let it happen. Let there be no division or schism come between you. Amen? United we stand, divided we fall. Look at what a united country can do. 40 million people against 140 million. Amen? Look at, they're just, my goodness. I, I saw one report. A couple was supposed to get married two months from now. Instead, they got married early, and they both joined the army in Ukraine. And then fighting together. What a honeymoon. You know? What, what a better way to learn conflict resolution, right? For, for marriages. Let's join the army and take up arms, glory to God. Okay, then uh, they, they said that the enemy said, verse 11, they will not know or see until we are among them, kill them and put a stop to the work. What's the enemy trying to do? Stop the work. His goal is to stop the work. He could care less about the people. He's stopping the work. He doesn't want this work to go. He doesn't want there to be a place of worship. He doesn't want there to be any praise going out. He doesn't want the presence of God in his area. Come on. But he he has no say. All right. So uh, verse 12, when the Jews who lived near them came, they said unto us ten times repeatedly from every place you turn, they will come up against us ten times. That's like Samson's wife. His, both of his wives, they kept repeating the same. They cried for seven days. Are you kidding me? Talk about emotional pressure. What's your secret? Crying for seven days nonstop. Give me your secret. Give me your secret. Ah, ah, ah. Read it. That's what happened. Ten times. How often should you resist? Ten times. You should put up any kind of resistance for every opposition. Every time they oppose, you, you, you oppose their opposition. Here's what Nehemiah said, verse 13. I stationed our men behind the wall in the lowest places, at the open positions where it was least protected. 
I stationed the people and families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I stood and said to the nobles, do not be afraid. He addressed their fear. When he saw fear coming, he addressed their fear. This is what a leader does. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He begins to magnify God. He encourages them in God. With courage from him, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, and your wives. Now when our enemies heard that we knew about their plot against us and God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each one do his work. I love it. God is frustrating the plans of the enemy and they just keep working. Nothing can stop the work. I got a, I got a, a cement spreader in one hand and a sword on the other hand and I'm good to go. Amen. I'm ready to build and to fight. That's how we need to be as a church. We got to be both willing to fight and to build. Do you realize that each family was building the gap that they had in their area of the wall? There was a family here, a family here, a family here, a family here. They worked with families. And they had a specific area that they built, they rebuilt their area. Right? And they were working side by side. They were working together. Amen? Guards were behind them. They had their weapons with them. And some of them didn't even shower or suffer days. But that was fun. All right? Opposition number six. This is in chapter five. I'm almost done. So now what was happening, this was opposition from within. There was a great outcry of the poor people and their wives against their Jewish brothers because they were in debt. They mortgaged their fields, their vineyards, and their houses to buy grain. Unfortunately, that's something that Joseph instituted in Egypt. So this debt, plus some of them had to borrow money on their field vineyards to pay the king's tax. So they're, they're being hit, right? And people were being forced to be slaves, and... Uh, Nehemiah got angry. Verse 6, he said, I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these words of accusation. And so he challenged the nobles and the rulers, verse 7, to stop charging interest from their relatives. That's what Moses said back in the law. You shouldn't charge your brother interest. Or usury is the word. And then, in verse 8, Nehemiah redeemed the Jewish brothers that were sold to the Gentiles. Jesus is our redeemer! He came and bought us with a price and redeemed us from hell. Hallelujah. So he said, verse 9, this is the way to overcome the taunting of the pagan nations is to walk in the fear of God. And so then Nehemiah and his brothers of his own money, he lent them money without interest and he gave them their, he had their fields returned to them and their houses back to them and he gave them a hundredth part of the money loaned, he loaned them. Right? Sound like a pretty sweet deal, amen? Look at Psalm 15. Psalm 15. And I'm almost done. 
Who, who can dwell in God's house? You got to have integrity. This is, this is a summary of Psalm 15. You got to have strong character. You got to work righteousness. You got to speak and hold the truth in your heart. You, you, you can't slander with your tongue. Right? You, you can't do evil to your neighbor. You don't take up a reproach against a friend. You despise evil. You got to despise evil. You got to honor the Lord, keep his word, do not charge interest to a brother, and refuse bribes, and you will never be shaken. This is what Nehemiah practiced. And he, he refused to take his allotted salary, and because and, he was the governor, and he refused to take what was allotted to him as a sacrifice, as a seed. All right? That was his answer to the opposition. Okay? So the opposition went on and on, and... Nehemiah kept uh, going and going. He kept doing the work. I want you to look at verse, chapter 6, verse 15. They tried to uh, make him come to a, the, the temple. One of his, what, this other guy, but he was being a false prophet. He said, why don't you come to the temple and, and we'll talk. And it was a plot to kill Nehemiah. And Nehemiah responded, he said, I'm not coming. The work is too great. Bye. See ya. You don't, you don't have to respond to the enemy. You don't have to respond to his pressure. Right? Do you realize the enemy can't make you do anything? He can only do what you allow him to do. But you can, once you take your authority, he's done. He can't do anything. Amen? Look at verse uh, 15, chapter 6. So the wall was finished. Jesus on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. It was finished on the 25th day, 52 days. Okay? When all our enemies heard about it and all the Gentile nations around us saw it, they lost their confidence. For they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Finished works testify to the enemy that you're done. Hallelujah. Amen. So there were there were nine oppositions. We didn't get to the last few, but that's okay. Nine oppositions in 52 days. Think about that. And part of that opposition was 10 times repeated the same thing. That's a lot of opposition in a small period of time. But how many know when you, when God is on your side and you're looking to victory, you will always triumph. You will always come through. You will all, all you gotta do, outlast the enemy. Amen. Don't respond to his pressure. Don't be intimidated by him. You have no fear in you. Amen. And God repaired the breach. The wall was built. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God God turned Paul. Paul was a destroyer of Christians. He turned a destroyer into a builder of the church. Hallelujah. You can read Paul's testimony. He persecuted Christians. He, He put them in prison. He incarcerated them. But God met him and turned him into a builder. And now he said, I'm a master builder and I lay a foundation where no foundation has ever laid. But the foundation that I lay is Jesus Christ. And he said, be careful how you build on it. Nehemiah repaired the breach of the wall. Jesus repaired the breach 
of your life. He repaired the gap that existed that we had with God when we sinned. When man sinned, they were separated from God. He was separated from the life of God. And God was working with them. And God knew that he was going to send a master builder named Jesus. He was going to send a carpenter from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah, the best building uh, person ever. The best contractor in the entire world. He came out of Nazareth and he is still building his church today. And this church, the church of, of Jesus, Christ, it will not be, the uh, the enemy will not prevail. Now, now, okay, I'm going to finish with this. All right? This is the crescendo right here. Okay? God said that I'm going to build my church, right? And the gates of hell shall not prevail. What is the church? Are you ready for this list? I'm not going to give you the scriptures, I'm just going to give you the list. The church is a place of discipleship and instruction. The church is a place of wisdom, virtue, and uh, faith. The church is a place of fervent prayer. The church is a place of ministry gifts and Holy Spirit work. The church is a place of gathering and testifying. The church is a place of supply and sending. The church is a place that was bought with the blood of Jesus. It's not just a place, it's a people. It's a, pe- it's a place where the people meet. The church is a holy, sanctified place. The church is the temple of God. The church is a place where uh, Paul taught. He taught in the church. The church is a place for ministry gifts. The church is a place where Jesus is head. The church is a place where God reveals wisdom. The church is a place where people are Christ's body. The church is a people that are Christ's body. The church is a people that are sanctified and glorious. The church is a place of giving and receiving. The church is a place where Jesus is head and he is the life source. The church is a place where ministers are assigned. The church is a place where the Bible is read. The church is a place of respect, honor, and reverence. The church is a place of truth and a standard of living. The church is a place of healing. All scriptures... All things that occurred in the church, I was up this morning, as soon as I got out of bed and showered, I was getting these scriptures together. Hallelujah. That's what the church is. He is building that church. He is, this is a church that's, the gates of hell aren't going to prevail. This is the church that you're part of. The blood-bought, glorious church without spot, without wrinkle. We are the church of the living God. Hallelujah. We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the church. We are the church. And in the church, there's building program going on. It's the longest standing build. It's called the building of the body. Amen. The building of the, the body is still being built today. Glory to God. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the body. Amen. We're here to build the body up. We're here to build a strong body of believers. Hallelujah. That's one of our goals. We want to see you strong. We want to see you lay hands on the sick. We want to see you cast out devils. We want to see you uh, share the gospel. People can call you and you can pray for them. This is the church that Jesus came to build. Just like Nehemiah came to build the walls of a city, a holy city, a chosen city. We are the city of God. Hallelujah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And he 
is in the midst of her. He is in the midst. He is here right now. He is here today. He is building. He is restoring. He is repairing. Hallelujah. He's helping you overcome distress. Lord, he's helping you over, overcome uh, all those things. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've said a mouthful. Now it's time for the Holy Spirit to work. How did you come here today? Did you come here today with a need? Did you come here today with a gap in your life or in your heart? Or did you come here today weak? God can turn that around. If you don't know Jesus, you got to know him. He gives us access to the Father. Amen? If you need to be healed today, he can heal you. If you need to be have uh, direction today, he can direct you. If you need help today, he can help you. And if you need anything in your life, he can make it happen. Because that's what he does. And if, if, if any of that is you, I would invite you to come up here right now. And we're just going to pray for you. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? You're a glorious church. Amen. I want you to start crying out to God. Amen. Cry out for your neighbors. Cry out for your relatives who don't know the Lord. Cry out for uh, workers that you know aren't born again. Cry out for people that you know are in, in the bondage of religion and they don't have a relationship with God. Cry out. Amen. And if you need healing in your body, if you need help in your life, if you need anything from God, I just want you to come up here right now and we're going to pray and, and God's going to meet that. Amen. Yeah. God's going to meet it. Because that's what he does. Fill with the Holy Ghost.